Over the last month, we've been working our way through the Apostles' Creed. And the Apostles' Creed has been used in the church for the last 1,500 years or so to accomplish two primary things. Number one, the Apostles' Creed has been used to protect the church, defend the church against false teaching, heresy, false doctrine, false teachers. And the second way that the Apostles' Creed has been used throughout the church is to help believers be formed more and more into the image of Christ as we unite ourselves around orthodox biblical Christianity, orthodox Christian teaching. And by way of review, in week one we talked about the first two words of the creed which are I believe. Say I believe. I believe. And we talked about the importance of our beliefs being rooted in the truth. And we live in a day where it's a common sentiment to say, man, your truth is your truth and my truth is mine. There is no objective universal truth. And the question for our culture, in fact, there's a Nashville area church. One of their statements in their doctrinal beliefs is that there is no absolute truth. And so my question to our culture and my question to this particular church is what do you do with Jesus who comes along and says, I am the way and the truth and the life? What do you do with that? Because Jesus claims to be an objective, universal, absolute truth. So what do you do with that? So we've said, man, as the church, as followers of Jesus, especially in our day right now, it is radically important that we are rooted in the truth. Then in week two, we talked about how God invites us into relationship with him, not as employees would relate to a boss where we do our part, he does his part. He invites us into relationship as a child and a father, to relate to him as a father, and a child has access to their father. Their father is good and benevolent and kind and gracious, which God is our perfect heavenly father. We can come boldly to him, to the throne of grace in our time of need. And then in week three, we talked about Jesus Christ, the son, who came down from heaven, put on human flesh, God himself put on human flesh, walked among us, he suffered, he died, he conquered death, hell, and the grave, he rose again, and then he ascended to the right hand of the Father to his throne and sent us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, Pastor Steve brought an incredible word last week on the Holy Spirit, what it means to be continually filled by the Holy Spirit and to have the Holy Spirit come upon you with power so that you might be and do everything that God has created you to be and do in this world. We're desperate for the Holy Spirit to do that work in us. And if you missed it, definitely wanna watch that. Now in Acts chapter two, those early followers of Jesus were in the upper room and they were praying, they were waiting for God to send the Holy Spirit. And Jesus sends the Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes upon them with power. Peter preaches a three-minute sermon and 3,000 people are born again, they're saved, and the church was born. And this is exactly what we're talking about today. We're talking about the church. So as we've done in weeks prior, we're gonna read the Apostles' Creed aloud together so I wanna invite you to go ahead and stand up. If you're watching online at home, go ahead and stand up all around the campus. Go ahead and stand. We're gonna read the creed together. And again, 
When we read the Apostles' Creed collectively as a community, we are rejecting the unbiblical ideologies of our day, and we are again aligning ourselves with orthodox biblical teaching through the Apostles' Creed. So let's read this together. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Great job, amen, you did it. Way to go. Now, what we're talking about today is those two phrases, the Holy Catholic Church and the communion of saints, and just in case you've missed it in weeks previous, we've gone over this ad nauseum, the word Catholic means? Universal, so it's talking about the capital C church, it's talking about every follower of Jesus throughout human history, that's what Catholic means. The Roman Catholic Church had not been established yet at this point when the, when the Apostles' Creed was written, so it's talking about the universal church throughout human history, that's what we mean. Now, I wanna forewarn you this morning that uh, over the past two years or so since I've been back here preaching, I've had a three-heading sermon. I don't have that today, so don't hold your breath looking for it because you might not make it to the end of the service if that's what you're doing. And I also wanna forewarn you that at the end of service today, I'm going to invite every single one of you in this room, every single one of you watching online, I'm gonna invite you to take a step, to take one single step. Step, and you ask a step toward what? Well, let me talk about it. At the center of every church is Christ. If Christ is not at the center, it is not a church. It's something else. So at the center of every church is Jesus Christ. He is the head of the church. He is our savior. He is our king. He is our Lord. He is the foundation of the church, and then around Jesus is what we'll call the core. The core is those that are all in, not only with Jesus, but all in with what God is doing in and through that local expression of the church. And there are those that have been in this group here at Grace Chapel for the last 26 years, and for those of you that that is true of, from the bottom of my heart as a 19-year-old punk kid who walked through those doors and whose life was changed forever, thank you. Thank you for being invested in what God is doing through Grace Chapel, what God has done, what God was doing, what God is going to do at Grace Chapel. Thank you. Now, there are those of you that have been a part of the core of Grace Chapel. You've invested, you are serving, you are connected in community, you are involved, you're all in with what God is doing here. And you've been in that category for the last five years or 10 years, and you need to know that it makes a difference. It matters. It absolutely matters, not only for the world that we're living in, it matters because it's what Jesus calls us to do. It's who Jesus calls us to be. And so there is the core. 
Then around the core is those that are committed. You love Jesus, you love the church, maybe you are connected in life groups, but you're not serving, or maybe you're serving and you're not connected in life groups, or maybe you're giving, but you're not doing either of those other two things. You are committed, but you're not quite all in with the church just yet. And around the committed is the congregation. You love this place, you show up, but you haven't quite crossed the line to joining a life group or getting involved in community or contributing or serving in meaningful and impactful ways. Around the congregation is the crowd. You would also call yourself a part of this community, but it's a very casual connection that you have with the church. Maybe uh, the CEOs would fall into this category, the Christmas and Easter only crowd, right? <laughs> you like the church, but it's not a high priority for you. You're here when you can be. You hear, you're here when, when you feel like being here. So you're a part of the crowd. Then around the crowd, finally, there is the broader outlying community. These are those that we want to serve, we want to bless, we want to show the grace love and kindness of Jesus too, so that they might experience a renewed relationship with their heavenly Father through the work of Jesus Christ. This is the church. This is who we are, this is what we're about. Now everybody in this room is somewhere on this chart. And wherever you are on that chart, as we walk through that, Wherever you are, no matter what your story is, no matter what your involvement level is here at Grace Chapel or some other local church, I just, want you to, I just want you to know, as the lead pastor of this church, I am so grateful that you are here. I'm so grateful that you're connecting. I'm so grateful that you are involved. Whether you are a part of the core or you're a part of the crowd, I'm glad that you're here because as the church, as a pastor, we want to see you grow in your gifting to discover how God has wired you, how God has made you, and to help you become all that God has created you to become, to help you do all that God has created you to do. As the church, it is our job to equip you to be a passionate servant of Jesus Christ. That is our mission, and I'm so glad that you're, you're here and you're exploring that because we want to equip you to do everything that God has called you to do. That's what we wanna do. That's what we're about. But in order for us to do that, you need to take a step. I'm inviting you to take a step. We want you to move closer to the center. Wherever you are on that chart, we want to invite you to take a step in toward the center, to take stock and move in and move toward the middle, and here's why. It's challenging. In community, you're gonna experience friction. There are people here that you like, hopefully, and there are people here that maybe you won't like very much, and God is gonna use both of those people in your life. We want you to take stock and move in because it's sanctifying, because that's what discipleship is, that's what God calls us to as the body of Christ, as a covenant community. That's what the church is, and I've, I've shared this with our steps class, with our Welcome to Grace Chapel class as well. The simple phrase, if you're here and you call Grace Chapel your home church, we either want you healing or we want you helping. 
And if you've been healing for the last 15 years, I'm just saying, maybe it's time to up the ante and step in and step up. Explore with us, be a part of the body, be known, participate and contribute because as we all do this together, God does something. Listen, God does something miraculous, powerful, dangerous, world-changing. He does something beautiful in our midst as we all press in together as we're gonna talk about right now. I spent the first 18 years of my life growing up in Pennsylvania, just south of the city of Pittsburgh in southwestern Pennsylvania. And for those of you that don't know this, Pennsylvania is referred to as the Keystone State. And you say, well, Rob, why is it called the Keystone State? I'm so glad you asked. It's an interesting story. It's called the Keystone State because it was one of the original 13 colonies. And there were uh, six states, six colonies to the north and six to the south. And so they, can, they were right in the middle. And so they considered themselves to be the Keystone State. And a keystone is when you have a bunch of other stones that you are building into an arch, and at the very top, at the very center of that arch, you need a very specifically shaped stone. It needs to be wide at the top, narrow at the bottom, and it fits in there beautifully. And when you put the keystone in there, everything around it is stabilized. It finds its purpose, its, and then you have this functional arch. That's what a keystone does. That's why Pennsylvania is called the Keystone State, because it was right in the middle of those 13 colonies. And when you get to the top of the arch, if you don't have that keystone, you're not gonna be able to have the arch. If you don't have that specific stone, it will not work. The keystone is what gives stability and purpose to everything else around it. And without that keystone, everything else falls apart. It is central, the keystone is central, it is the, the centerpiece, it is primary, it is the capstone, it is the crown of the arch. Now what's interesting about this is that all the other rocks, without the keystone, are just rocks. Without the keystone at the center, a rock on its own is just a rock. But when all the other rocks, listen, when they are dependent on one another, and together are all leaning into the keystone, then it creates something beautiful, something functional, something purposeful. Every rock finds its purpose, significance, and meaning in leaning on the other rocks around it and together leaning into the keystone. In Ephesians chapter two, in the first part of Ephesians chapter two, the apostle Paul in verses one through 10 talks about that the first evidence of God's power in somebody's life is that he, he takes what is broken in a person and he makes it whole. He, he makes us new creations in Christ. That is the first evidence of God's power in somebody's life. And then in verses 11 through 22, there is a shift in focus from the individual to the body of Christ, to the church, and we see Paul saying two specific things. One evidence of God's power is, his, is him transforming the individual. The other evidence of God's power is seen in Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. It says this. So then, 
You are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Paul is saying that the first evidence of the power of God is a transformed life. The second evidence of God's power is that he takes individuals that are radically different from one another, totally different economically, socially, ideologically, culturally, and he brings them together in this thing called the church and says, be one. Be united. Love one another as I have loved you, and in doing so, the world will know that you are my disciples. Be with people that are totally different than you and love them and care for them and give preference to them. This is called the church. And Jesus says, you are my body. Work together, complement one another, and be the church. Peter says something very similar in 1 Peter chapter 2. He says, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scripture, behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious. Paul and Peter are both saying the same thing. That they're both making this point. And all throughout scripture, there's these beautiful metaphors and analogies on uh, what our relationship with God looks like and what it means to be the church. So Jesus is the shepherd, we are the sheep, that's one. Jesus is the king, we are citizens of his kingdom. God is our father, Jesus is our brother, We are family, we are God's children, we are one family. All great images, all great realities and metaphors, but this is what we see in Ephesians chapter two and in 1 Peter chapter two. We see this, that God is the master builder. He is the builder. Jesus is the cornerstone and we are living stones. We are rocks being built into a holy temple, a dwelling place for the very spirit of God. And listen, we live in a very individualistic culture. And many of us have relegated our Christianity to just between me and God. But God calls you a a spiritual house. He calls you a living stone that needs to be built into the very fabric of this thing called the body of Christ. You are meant to be a part of the greater whole. You're meant to be a part of of this thing called the church. The Bible tells us that God created you to be in and connected with a spiritual family. And all by ourselves, guys, especially in the day in which we are living, on our own, we cannot and will not stand. But when you are built into the very fabric of the church, there is power, there is stability, there is strength provided by Jesus himself. One of the ironies of our culture 
and this is one of the unbiblical ideologies that we reject, is that you ought to live for your own fulfillment, satisfaction. You ought to live for yourself, fulfill yourself, find your own meaning in life through what you do. So figure out what you wanna do and do it with all your might. And that's how you find fulfillment in life. And the problem with this idea is that if the greatest cause that you have in life is your own fulfillment, your own happiness, your own satisfaction, at the end of the day, you are living for you. You are living for yourself, and at the end of that, it is empty and it is vain. It will never satisfy you. Let me ask it this way. What is it in your life, what cause in your life would you be willing to die for? What is it in life that you are willing to suffer for, to sacrifice for? What are you willing to pay a high price? What are your convictions? What are the list of things in your life that you will never compromise on? And are you willing to go to prison for those things? What is it that you'll never budge on? What are your convictions? What are the things that you will never budge on, never move on? What do you stand for? What are you about in life? Because if you have no cause beyond you, if you have no cause that you would be willing to die for or suffer for, then true courage is impossible for you. You will not sacrifice, you will not suffer. And in our quest to find fulfillment and satisfaction for ourselves, it's no wonder that when things get too tough for too long, many of us say things like, well, this isn't fulfilling me any longer, I'm gonna bail. This isn't meeting my needs, and so I'm just gonna back off and pursue something else now. I've changed my mind. And unfortunately, tragically, this happens in marriages, it happens in families, it happens in friendships, it happens in careers, and in fact, it happens in the church as well. Because guys, we live in a day where if your preferences aren't being met at this local church, you just drive down the road and find another one. You just find another one that does meet the needs that you, you want met. There's no commitment level. It's very frivolous and shallow. That's the day in which we're living. It's interesting, a few weeks ago, we had, a, um, we had a pastor's gathering, and we had 30 pastors from around the uh, Williamson County, Davidson County area come and join us out here at the barn for, uh, for lunch, and we, we talked and prayed about how God might use us working together with our collective communities and churches, how God might use us in his capital K kingdom rather than us just being about our little K kingdoms, right? What might God do if we all began to work together in a way like that? And this is a gathering that's been going on for a while, but we, we started having some intentional conversation around this really powerful stuff. But in this particular gathering, one of the pastors, he says, you know guys, there was this church down the road from us that was sort of considered to be our rival church. I've never heard of a rival church before. And so he defined rival church this way. He said, it's the church 
that everyone in your church goes to when you preach something that they don't like. (laughs) So he continues and he tells the story about how him and this other pastor at this rival church, they started meeting together. And they started confessing stuff to one another. And they started praying for one another and started relationship with one another. And now, y'all better watch out. And now they are holding one another's congregations accountable for leaving the other pastor's church for stupid reasons. This is brilliant. And look, the reason why they're doing that is because we live in an individualistic culture. Because people just go down the road when a preacher or a pastor or someone does something or says something or makes a decision that you don't like. And Jesus, listen, Jesus is calling us beyond that. And listen, whether it's Grace Chapel or some other church, look, I'm not here trying to build Grace Chapel's brand or some self-centered church growth strategy. What I am saying is you need to be built into the fabric of a local church. You need to be connected so that you can grow and you can be developed and you can do and become everything that God has created you to do and become. This is why the church exists and this is why God invites us to a higher level of commitment to be a part of that core exalting Christ as the center. And as long as you're on the fringes, I'm telling you, it is not gonna happen for you. God has made you for more than that. He has made every single one of us for more than that. And see, in many ways, other cultures, they're wise enough to understand that you will never find fulfillment by living for yourself. You've got to give yourself towards something beyond you. But it can't just be anything. See, Jesus on the cross spread his arms wide in an ultimate act of vulnerability. While he was being mocked, tortured, while he was suffering, being belittled, spit on, laughed at, He didn't do what many of us would have done if we were in his shoes and say, man, this relationship isn't fulfilling me any longer. I'm coming down off this cross. I'm done with this. I'm out of here. He didn't do that. Instead, the greatness of Jesus is seen in the reality that he was willing to suffer and even die for something beyond himself. He had a cause that was greater than his own life. Jesus didn't live for his own fulfillment. He lived for yours. He gave his life for yours. He died for yours. And he invites us not to save our lives. He invites us to lose our lives for his sake. Amen, somebody. Jesus Christ committed his whole life to you. See, he was radically inconvenienced for your sake and for my sake He was radically inconvenienced for us, (laughs) and yet many of us are unwilling to be inconvenienced in the smallest ways. Why? Because we're not living for Christ. We're not living for God. We're living for ourselves. And so any inconvenience is not an opportunity that God has provided. It's an inconvenience to what we want to do with our time. Radically different approach to life. And God calls you Every single one of us, he says, you are like living stones. 
You were designed to be a part of a greater whole. You are a building block and you're designed to be fashioned and, and shaped and molded to fit together with other believers around you and together as you're leaning into Christ, God is gonna do something powerful and beautiful in your midst. See, on your own, you're just a rock. Rocks out there on their own, they just sit there. They're doing nothing. Maybe you could use it as a weapon. Maybe you could skip it across water and have some fun with it. Maybe it's a paperweight. I don't know. But a rock out there on its own is just a rock. But when a builder takes that and shapes it and fashions it and puts it in and it's depending on other rocks and there's other rocks depending on it and together they're leaning into the chief cornerstone, something incredible happens. That's the church. Now, many of us, and maybe you're in this category, you come in, you get inspired, you hear a, a, a word, you, you love the music, you're, you're connected here, and, and it's great. We listen to the teaching and the singing, and it's great. And my, my question for you is this, are you a rock out there on your own? I mean, this year, guys, we've been more isolated than ever before in our culture more alone than ever before, more disconnected than ever before, even though we've got social media and all that stuff. We've been more isolated from relationship, face-to-face -face relationship than ever before. And so are you a rock out there on your own or are you being built in? And again, whether it's Grace Chapel or it's a church down the road that you would consider to be your home church, are you being built into the very fabric of a local church? as my Aunt Lisa Poe, shout out to my Aunt Lisa, she always would tell me, <clears throat> what happens to a banana when it gets separated from the bunch? It gets peeled and eaten. And we don't want you to get peeled or eaten, so stay connected to the bunch. You know that was good, come on. So think about Grace Chapel. Some of you are all in. Some of you are a part of the core. You're invested. You're giving. You're serving. You're connected in community. You're built in. Some of you are newer, and you're still checking things out, and you think you like us, and why wouldn't you? But you think you like us, and you're deciding if this is the right church for you. And some of you are here because you heard about some leadership transition happening, and you're here to get the goods and find out what's going on with all of that. Others of you came to hear Pastor Steve because he is a world-class preacher and instead you get this Rob guy and you're not sure you're fully in with this guy and I get it, I'm pretty sketchy, I, I understand. <laughs> Others of you, you show up from time to time, you have a very, very casual connection with the church and you're not really committed to any local expression of the church. Wherever you are in all of that, wherever you are, in any of that, if you're a Christian, let me ask you this. What is your motivation for connecting with the church that you are a part of, whether it's here or somewhere else? What is the driving factor behind that? Is it really just that, you know, there's some people about my age and my stage of life and I kind of enjoy hanging out with those people and that's why I'm there? Or is it because, oh, well, that church, you know, they've got better music than this other church? Or the volume isn't so loud that it's, you know, making my eardrums bleed or whatever it is. Is it that there's better, better preaching, better messages that make you feel like 
what is the driving factor? Is it those things or is it the fact that you are a living stone being shaped and molded by God, the master builder himself to be built into the very fabric of a local church and when you're depending on other people and they're depending on you and together you're leaning into Christ, the chief cornerstone, you sense that the Holy Spirit of the living God is moving among us and doing what only he can do and changing lives. Is that the driving force? Is that the factor? Is that the motivation for it? Because that's what we're called to be and that's what we're called to do. Now, let me get practical and give you some action step here. There are a variety of ways for you to get built into the, the fabric of Grace Chapel. There's a variety of ways for you to connect and get built in and get involved. I'm gonna give you two. Number one, serve. Serve. Give your time and energy to bless other people that are part of the community of God. And over the last several months, there have been so many new families that have connected with us here at Grace Chapel, so many newcomers, and I'm so grateful that you're here. I'm so glad you're here checking things out and exploring with us. And listen, guys, with Easter around the corner, that's only going to increase. And as a 19-year-old kid who walked through those doors 17 years ago and had my life radically changed. I'm telling you, serving in a local body makes an enormous difference. In fact, I wanna invite you to serve specifically in our guest services ministry because newcomers will make the decision whether or not they're gonna stay at that local church in the first seven minutes before they hear me say a single word, maybe even before they hear Jonathan and the worship team strum a single note. They've made their decision. You know who makes the difference? This team right here, the guest services team. They make the difference. And so on this team, we've got greeters, we've got ushers, we've got the parking team, we've got check-in, we've got the welcome team. Listen, if you are an extroverted person and you love just welcoming people and giving people a handshake and a big old smile and making them feel welcome, sign up to be a greeter. Or maybe you would consider yourself somebody that, you know, we would call a, a, an introvert and maybe you don't like people at all. <laughs> then sign up to be a part of the parking team because all you gotta do is this. <laughs> or this. Or this. It's simple. The check-in team. Look, our technology, it's so easy to use. I haven't tried it, but I hear it's easy to use. Sign up to be a part of the check-in team or our welcome team, helping families get to their classrooms. It's, look, anything we can do to help people that are exploring Christ and exploring Jesus and exploring the church to feel seen, loved, welcomed, cared for. We need to do it with everything we've got. That's who we are called to be and this is what we're called to do. So sign up to be a part of the guest services team. Come on. And on top of that, listen. No matter what part of the guest services ministry you serve in, you're always done to hear the sermon. And from what I hear, this new lead pastor guy, his sermons are pretty good maybe, I don't know. <laughs> and if you have little kids and you're trying to figure out, man, how am I gonna do this and make this work with little kids, did you know? We have entire families that serve as greeters together. The kids get the lanyards, they're welcoming people, they're serving with their parents, isn't that awesome? 
It's, it's a beautiful picture of what discipleship should look like. So I've removed all of your objections. So sign up to be a part of the <laughs> guest services team. Now, just to back up and remind you, this is taking a step from being a consumer only to being a contributor. From just taking and consuming to actually giving back to the body of Christ. So that's the first way we want you to get involved. I'm gonna tell you how to sign up here in a minute. The second way we want you to get involved is to join a life group. Join a life group. As the church continues to grow, we need to be intentional about getting small. Because look, you will never find, you will never build deep, meaningful, sanctifying, discipling relationships by staring at the back of someone's head for an hour and a half once a week. It's not gonna happen. So you need to get out of the rows of the church and into homes with other believers where you know each other, you're known, you know other people, and this is beyond just what you get out of being in relationship with other people, it's also about what you can give. It's about what you have to offer, about what God has put in you, about what he's taught you and how he's grown you and how you can invest that in somebody else's life through a life group. So join a group, not just for yourself, but because other people need your contribution in their lives as well. So the step that we're all gonna take together right now is in the back of the seat in front of you or under your seat, there should be a little connection card. I want everybody in the room, even if you're already connected and serving and doing all the stuff I've talked about, I want you to grab it anyway. We're all gonna fill it out together over the next couple of minutes. And some of our pastors and ushers and some of the other venues around the campus have these accessible as well. And even if you're watching online at home, we've removed all the excuses. You can text Hello GC to 97000 and you'll be prompted with, a, uh, with a, a digital form that you can fill out. You are without excuse. We have made this as easy as possible. We want everybody to grab the card. We're gonna take the next few minutes and we're gonna fill this out together and indicate the way that we are interested in getting built into the body of Christ. Now, let me say a couple things before we do this. I promise you, we are not gonna hound you. We are not gonna bomb your inbox. This is your step to take. This is your step to take. We're simply creating an opportunity for you to take the step that you believe God is calling you to take. So we wanna invite you to take that step and also by filling out this card, you're not committing your life away to anything. You're saying I'm interested in exploring how God might want me, a living stone, to be built into the very fabric of this expression of the body of Christ. If you're already serving, and you're already connected in a small group, do me a favor, fill it out anyway, and just put a big smiley face on it. That'll, that'll make our day as we're going through thousands of connection cards. It'll make our day to see a little happy face on there. Listen. This is beyond just some practical step that you can take. There's a spiritual reality behind what we're doing. This isn't just signing up to sign up. This is us together as living stones saying, hey, I want to be built in 
I wanna become a part of the spiritual house that God is building. I wanna be a part of the holy priesthood that God, the master builder, is building. And so this is a way, this is a way for us to do that together. And as we do this together, as we lean on one another and lean into the chief cornerstone, and as God, the master builder, is continuing to shape us and fashion us, we're gonna begin to see the Holy Spirit of the living God move in us, through us, around us, in our midst to do what only he can do in and through this church. Amen, somebody? Let's pray together. The worship team is gonna lead us and the ushers will come forward and collect your cards in just a moment. So Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that we're not just out there on our own trying to navigate life. We're so grateful for the invitation to be built in to be built into the very fabric of the local church. God, we're grateful that we can come together as the body of Christ, and as we do that, you do something powerful, miraculous, beautiful, dangerous. It's world-changing, it's life-changing. And so God, I pray that you would help us. Help us be courageous in taking our step, whatever that may be. God, help us do what you're inviting us to do right here, right now, and get built in to the church. Amen, somebody? Amen, let's take a minute, fill those out. The ushers will pass the bags in a moment. We're gonna worship, and then I'll close the service in just a minute.